What's up, everybody? This is your host, Julian Gray. And for the past week or so, I've really been debating on what to say about the issues at hand and how that connects with my personal experience as an African-American adult and why it matters to me. What you have to realize is after this moment is over, like myself and many more, the color of our skin doesn't turn off. Social activism is phenomenal. However, for those who aren't a person of color, it's seamless to move on and go back to your regular everyday-to-day life. By that I mean you can post frequently during these times and spread good positive information and resources to help those in need. However, once these protests slow down, the government moves on, the tension is still high. As an African American, I'll still be out in plain sight. And that's, in some regards, unsettling. I don't know how these events are going to affect the judgment of those in authority or those in the shadow who have preconceived notions, racist ideologies, sexist ideologies, and how that's going to affect me in the future if this movement just gets forgotten and changes aren't made. Rarely are you able to sit in a period of time of active events and say, this is historical. This will be talked about for many and many generations. And for that reason, that's why it's important to me. Not for the history aspect, but how this will affect generations from here on out. Though the generations before me walked in the civil rights movements and made their voices heard and made life today a bit better than it was before, our generation in this time is trying to push it further so that in the future, if I have children or grandchildren, etc., that they live a better life than I've lived. From a 10,000 foot perspective, Life looks fine, but as you dig into the details, you notice the areas where things aren't right, things are fractured, and they haven't gotten any better. I grew up in Oregon. Oregon is 2 to 6% African American, and the area I grew up was probably more close to the 2 to 3% African American. I'm thankful for where I grew up as it was very inclusive, friendly, free, and kind. Rarely did you see hatred or disgust or these types of emotions out in the public frequently. However, that didn't stop me from getting pulled over 22 times in between the ages of 17 and 21. And of those 22 times I was pulled over, I never got a ticket. My record's clean. And it's just like many other perspectives you've heard thus far. Those incidents aren't abnormalities. It's frequent and it's unsettling. To be honest, every time I got pulled over, I was more scared each time. Not because I had done something wrong, because I knew I hadn't, but because I didn't know what the outcome would be. I was pulled over for not signaling far enough out, not coming to a complete stop, 
looking lost, things that normally go unchecked. And each and every time, it was simply a brush off, but I was questioned often, where are you coming from? Why are you out so late? Where are you going? What's in that side seat? And it happened often. Further, going to restaurants or the store with my African-American friends, though it wasn't harmful, we knew that we're being stared at and looked at in a different way than everyone else at this Walmart or mall or restaurant. And it's always going to be unsettling. And it's not right for an individual to have that fear for no reason besides prejudice towards someone's skin tone or features. That's my biggest worry when I have kids or if I have kids is how they'll be judged, how they'll be viewed. I don't want them ever to have the feeling that I've had countless times that I have to work 10 times harder to be noticed fairly as an African-American than some of my other friends or colleagues in some regards. That may not be true, but that's how I feel based on how things have progressed in society. The numbers are overwhelming of this prejudice and racism. An example, say John and Jamal both submit a resume. They are 100% identical. If not, Jamal's is slightly better. John is still two times more likely to get an interview or hired for that job just on the basis of his name and the implicit bias suggested towards Jamal or African-American or unique-sounding names. That's a future I don't want my children to go through. And if it's not just the name, what if they're being hired or chosen for the wrong reasons? The last thing I want is for someone to be chosen just because they're black. You never want to be referred to as the black friend. You just want to be the friend. And that, once again, happens more often than one can imagine. That's my black friend, or he's the black friend in our circle. Being described, I was hanging out with so-and-so. They're black. Yeah, it's a differentiator, but they're still just your friend. And this implicit bias continues to grow as more stereotypes or judgments or depictions of the media continue to expand, implicit bias is only going to get worse. Even as a black man, I have implicit bias that puts me on edge or puts me in a thought process that shouldn't ever occur. An example, a few friends and I went to Walmart while in high school, bought a couple movies, and the people in front of us had bought similar movies. They went through just fine and walked out. We go through, and all of us get carded. And at that time, I was, in my mind, trying to rationalize, why am I being carded? They just bought movies. Why are my friends being carded? Is it because we're black? And it took me 10 to 15 minutes to ask my friends, hey, why were we just carded? Were we profiled? What was up with that? No, we just bought a movie that was rated R, require the ID check. Perfectly normal. But that's how day-to-day -day life goes for an African-American. Whether it's normal scenarios that you interpret as race first just based on what you've seen, or it's walking through a neighborhood. Anytime I'm walking through a neighborhood, and at this point in my life, I'm lucky to live in a nicer area. 
But every time I go on a walk or run, jog, go play basketball, and police drive by, I feel a sense of anxiety, being nervous, looking over my shoulder, straightening things up, just to look as least suspicious as possible in any nature. I could just be shooting free throws, and I'll have to think to myself, what will make me look better so that they don't potentially come and ask any questions? And there's no reason I should be thinking that way. And that's never comfortable. It won't ever be comfortable. And until police brutality and abuse of authority is put in check, things aren't going to change. I hate the term, oh, it's just a bad apple. At this point, as cameras are catching everything, racism is more known than ever. We're finally getting it on film and physical evidence. You're starting to realize it's not a bad apple. It's a bad orchard. It's a bad farm. The foundation on which these trees are planted is wrong. Yes, you get a few good apples here and there, maybe some in the bunches, but what the bad apples attribute to is far worse. And that's where you and I step in to fix our problem here. It's the education, the voting, questioning, little things, just like checking a friend when they're using racist, sexist terms or ideologies. They're dispersing incorrect facts. They're pushing a narrative that is false. Being able to step in and say that you're wrong. You're only making the situation worse. And if that person isn't okay with you saying that and gets defensive or pushes you off, that's not someone you want to be around. And there's tons of people like that. That's how they are. But as an individual, going that extra step, one step at a time, if you can change your five friends around you from bad behavior they have that is detrimental to society in the United States of America as a whole, you're going to make a change. Then they go on to make a change. Maybe they teach their children a better way of understanding cultural differences, understanding why spewing hate is inappropriate. And that fosters a generation of understanding, a generation that may be a little less racist or sexist than this generation now. Then you go the step further. You make your voice heard. Protests push areas of action. I don't condemn looting. I understand it. But in many instances that are caught on film, those who are looting are taking advantage of a weakness, of a culture, of an individual, of a moment just to be selfish, and it poorly reflects on everyone else. Those who protest brown, white, black, and everything in between are getting injured frequently. As you notice, individuals who are on the front lines, white women, Hispanic males, black men, black women, children, are all getting hurt. The cops, they just see someone against what they're told to do. Then one bad cop decides to use excessive force, and then it starts snowballing from there. Making that voice heard is going to bring action to those causes that you are against or that you support, and then making that voice force decisions, calling your mayor, calling the Senate, calling Congress, calling your precinct, reporting things you're seeing, is one step at a time going to make things a little bit better. 1% better every day. That's all you can hope for. 
then you can vote on the large scale for those officials in those positions. And as time progresses, 1% each day, maybe in the future, you have a diverse set of minds thinking and making these regulations. And that's when things become fair. Often you see people say black lives matter, and people respond with all lives matter. But all lives aren't treated equal. And until lives are treated equal, this tension's going to continue to build. There's continuing to be chaos, riots, injuries, deaths. And truly, that's not what anyone wants. Everyone just wants to be right on their own side. And as time progresses and you elect and people become educated, that's when changes are made. You look at an example that is harming the African-American community significantly. Mass incarceration. Some are calling it the new Jim Crow. You're seeing African-American individuals going to jail for having an ounce, $60 of paraphernalia, drugs, and going to jail for 10 to 20 years, while we notice hundreds of kids in college, white kids in college, doing those same drugs on mass quantities and just getting a slap on the wrist. What's worse is these are publicly funded prisons. There's incentives to put people in jail. There's quotas to make. Now you start introducing a reward for prejudice and wrongdoing. The Supreme Court has even denied all actions to protest the use of prejudice in police stops. Statistics show the severe difference in people of color being pulled over, stopped, arrested to the white population. Even to go as far to say stopping someone on prejudice alone is illegal. However, you can stop someone if prejudice is one of the factors. So, an example, you look at myself, a young kid driving a black Chrysler 300 at 10 o'clock at night in a neighborhood that isn't known to have many African Americans. Stands out, he's African American, looks like he could fit a stereotype. That's prejudice. What's the actionable portion? Oh, he didn't use his blinker far enough out. And then you stop them. They happen to have a small portion of marijuana and you take them in. Once they go in, the local defense attorneys are so swamped with these cases, they'll offer, hey, I got you a sweet plea deal. Take this. If you don't know anything about the judicial system, say, oh, awesome. I don't have to do any prison time or only have to do very limited prison time. And maybe that prison time you're doing is for a friend of yours who left their drugs in the car and you unknowingly had them. Once you say yes and plead guilty, you're a felon. You come out, if you go to prison or jail or you don't, you come out, you're half a human. You don't get any option for any of the benefits. You can harm people you live with if they live in subsidized housing for you being a felon, unemployment, for some reason can't vote, and now you're at the bottom. You struggle to get a job because you've checked you're a felon. You may have had to leave your child or children or family because of this small offense. And I'm not saying all offenses are equal. By no means are they. But there are cases where you look now where marijuana was illegal and people are spending large portions of time of their life in jail. Now it's legal and they're still in jail with no plan of getting them out. 
that's one of the scary things about being an African-American, being in the wrong place at the wrong time and having no control of the outcome. You look at Breonna Taylor, no-knock raid, which in itself is terrible that those are things. Plain clothes officers bust in the door. Her boyfriend grabs his registered gun, which is his legal right, shoots one of them in the leg. They retaliate and end up shooting and killing Breonna Taylor. He goes to jail, the husband, for defending people breaking into his home. Wrong place, wrong time. Terrible result. Trayvon Martin is wearing a hoodie. Even in the case of George Floyd, I've worked in retail. Someone gave me a counterfeit bill. I'm not calling the cop. You check the counterfeit bill. You say, this is counterfeit. I can't accept this. You can't purchase this product. I'm going to keep this. That's it. If they have another way of paying, they pay. However, situation you call the cops, four officers, then use excessive force to pin this man down for a counterfeit $20 bill. And eight minutes, 46 seconds later, it's over. You look at Ahmaud Arbery, jogging, shot. Someone videotaped it. Didn't do anything. Took a few months for it to circulate. You go as far back to Emmett Till, said hello to a white girl, who then, that white girl on her deathbed says, I lied. Emmett Till, one of the first traceable acts of severe racism. It goes further and further back to the foundation of America, where some can argue the Native Americans who lived in the Americas were then subjugated to their reserves, stripped of rights, stripped of their resources, killed, slaughtered, and that's how America began. I am an American, born in the United States of America. I'm as American as the next person, born in Virginia, Florida, California. But because the color of my skin is slightly different, I'm going to be judged, and I can be harmed for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's why I care for this movement, so that my kids or future generations don't have to go through that pain. And I'm going to leave it off with this clip from Malcolm X in 1962. I ask you just to be 1% better every day, and I'll catch you next week. In order for you and me to devise some kind of method or strategy to offset some of the events or a repetition of the events that have taken place here in Los Angeles recently, we have to go to the root. We have to go to the cause. Dealing with the condition itself is not enough. And it is because of our effort toward getting straight to the root that people oftentimes think we are dealing in hate. We are oppressed. We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. Who taught you to hate the texture of your hair? Who taught you to hate the color of your skin to such extent that you bleach to get like the white man? Who taught you to hate the shape of your nose and the shape of your lips? Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Who taught you to hate your own kind? 
Who taught you to hate the race that you belong to? So much so that you don't want to be around each other. No, before you come asking Mr. Muhammad, does he teach hate? You should ask yourself, who taught you to hate being what God gave you? And I, for one, as a Muslim, believe that the white man is intelligent enough. If he were made to realize how black people really feel and how fed up we are without that old compromising sweet talk. Stop sweet talking him. Tell him how you feel. Tell him how, what kind of hell you've been catching and let him know that if he's not ready to clean his house up, if he's not ready to clean his house up, he shouldn't have a house.